What you're about to hear is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck Program. We have nuclear missiles on the move uh, from Russia. Uh, Also, Honduras now has become the latest country that has said, you know what, we're with China. We're... No, we're not with Taiwan anymore. Honduras. We no, we Taiwan. We don't even know who they are. China is uh, uh, making rounds uh, all over the world, uh, trying to get uh, everybody who was on the Taiwan bandwagon off of it, and uh, they're offering all kinds of incentives. What kind of world do we live in? Well, Jack Carr knows. Jack Carr, the best-selling author. He is also the author of uh, Terminal List with Chris Pratt. You might have seen it on Netflix. He's got a new book coming out in a couple of months. And I wanted to talk to him about everything that's going on. And because people who are authors of these kinds of books, they are paid to think out of the box. They, They have to come up with something that is reasonable and plausible. Otherwise, you won't buy their books. So they are more willing to look at all of the information and say, yeah, that could work, that could not work. I want to ask him about the pipeline, also about the moving of tactical nukes today by Russia. We'll have that in 60 seconds. So if you have pain that just won't go away, I know you've tried other drugs, everything from the ibuprofen 800, you know, the heavy stuff. Uh, to the weird hippie shop, maybe, at <laughs> the corner cells. Um, that stuff smells like it's great. It smells like I'm smoking an old tire. Yeah! But if you've gone through everything, maybe even had injections, sometimes they help. Sometimes they help for a bit. Uh, sometimes they don't at all. What if something could knock that pain out right from underneath you and it doesn't space you out? You get your life back. Would you just try this for three weeks? Take it as directed. If it's not working for you after three weeks, it's not. And I'll be straight up with you. You'll be out 20 bucks. 1995. You get the quick start of relief factor. You just try it. Take it as directed. 70% of the people who try it go on to order more month after month. It's relieffactor.com. Relieffactor.com or 800, the number four, relief. Uh, it is, by the way, it's not Netflix. It is Amazon uh, that uh, the Terminal List is on. Jack Carr is the best-selling author of the Terminal List series. Uh, he is also the executive producer uh, and a host of the new podcast, Danger Close with Jack Carr. Jack, welcome back to the program. How are you, sir? Oh, thank you so much for having me on. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm great. I'm great. Um, I... Um, I just let me just read the, um, the 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 preface of your of your new book here or the synopsis. Now, with the world on the brink of war and a weakened United States facing rampant inflation, political division, shocking assassinations and a secret cabal of global elites ready to assume control. I mean, with an exception of the shocking assassinations <laughs> There's not a lot. You didn't need a lot of imagination on this one, did you, Jack? I mean, it sounds like today. Uh, and with the, 
with the world's most dangerous man locked in solitary confinement, the conspirators believe the final obstacle to complete uh, domination has been eliminated, but they are wrong. Tell me the story. Tell That's me the story. It. Well, it, it's going to touch on a couple of things we're going to we're going to discuss today. Nord Stream one and two, of course. Um, but uh, these things are almost writing themselves, and certainly our uh, senior level military leaders and our elected representatives. And I specifically do not call them leaders; they're elected representatives, our mm. employees uh, in Congress and the executive branch. Give me a lot to work with these days, <laughs> uh, as uh, as far as creating villains. Uh, and then on the geopolitical stage, oh my goodness, there is uh, so much to work with that probably would not have been believable had I written these books 10 years ago, certainly 15 years ago. But today, uh, all of those things are so much more plausible, which makes it fun for a thriller author, but also a little more difficult because you have uh, uh, to work with things that people um, are just going to accept as uh, real. And you have to take a little step further, one step further think like the enemy, think like our elected representatives and our senior military leaders and create these stories that have a touch point in reality. And in my case, in this military authenticity that I bring to the page from my past. But uh, there's a lot to work with. These so days. Uh, you, I don't think I'm ever going to run out of ideas. No, I don't think so either. Um, we might run out of printing presses before ideas. Um, uh, Jack, t- t- when you say you have to take it a little bit further, that's really hard to do. Do you think you have to bring it out of reality a bit or, I mean, are you just advancing the storyline to where it could go? Because advance that storyline, move it forward by a degree and then bring a perspective to it that um, maybe your readers or audience haven't considered yet. Uh, and I do that by taking a breath and really thinking these things through where a lot of people that aren't engage every day thinking about these things uh, might not be have time to do because they have to get their kids to school and go to work and do all these other things. But I can spend that time, that deep thought and take it a little bit further and think about what is going to happen or the why be behind what is happening. Um, so I have the time to do that and I love to do that and bring that into the pages of the story. So if you replace shocking assassinations with mysterious okay. bombings of the Nord Stream pipelines, uh, you would you would have summed up what we're going through right now. There are three competing theories on who did this. Um, yes. The first, the majority of the West initially said the Russians did it. I, I, do you believe that? <laughs> the uh, people putting that forward are counting, uh, I think, on the U.S. citizenship the dumbing down of the population. And if one were to spend time uh, on Twitter or in the comments section of YouTube, it's not a bad strategy uh, if you were to base, uh, base this off of those types of comments. But if you connect some dots, and you don't have to have a background in strategy or geopolitics or uh, military tactics or anything along those lines, you just have to look at this with a little common sense and connect a few dots, as Seymour Hersh did in his article uh, last month. But if you connect those dots, you can go back to January 2022, not that long ago, when Victoria Nuland, Undersecretary of State for Policy, and this is, you can find the video online, and she says, I want to be clear, this is verbatim, if Russia invades Ukraine one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. Then, one month later, February 22, President Biden, verbatim, if Russia invades, there will no longer be a Nord Stream 2, we will bring it to an end. Okay, that's pretty clear. And uh, these concerns, though, just don't lie with the Biden administration. They go back to the Bush administration, fearing that European dependence on natural gas would weaken NATO and naturally soften a European stance toward Russia. 
But even President Biden, he said, we pay or sorry, President Trump, he says, pay for your defense. You should buy gas from us. So this is a a 20 year issue right here. So then Russia invades Ukraine late February 22 and September 2022. What happens? Nord Stream 2 uh, is destroyed. And just as President Biden and Victoria Newland said, they would be months earlier. But the result is what is probably the largest man-made environmental disaster in history. So that, nine, that natural gas is 90% methane, which destroys the ozone layer. So for an administration that tasks climate change as the greatest threat to national security, um, that could be an issue if it is tied back to the Biden administration, even though they said they were going to do it. So we're not dealing with the brightest uh, people, okay, so, perhaps. OK, so hang on. Before I go back to the Biden administration, let me let me take you to the third um, idea of how it uh, of how it happened. They're now saying that I think this is kind of the West's response after nobody believed the Russians did it, that uh they had, uh, you know, a, a group of five people. They know that it was, you know, four uh, men and one woman. They rented a yacht. They don't know whose yacht it was, um, but uh, they know definitely no one was involved with Zelensky. Um, but they were probably some sort of a rebel group from uh, the Ukraine. Is that plausible? <laughs> it is quite fascinating. And, uh, it would probably be one of the least believable parts of a novel if I put it in there. Um, but one of the things that uh, makes me believe that this was certainly Russia is that yeah, former CIA director John Brennan was uh, trotted out on CNN and NBC to offer his expert analysis. And he said it was for sure Russia. He did not bring <laughs> evidence of this, of course, but uh, his track record, very solid of yeah. Russia and being wrong on things. Um, so the only thing on that side, like if I was to think it through and he didn't offer this up, but maybe Russia would think this would be their motive for doing it, that they would get some insurance money, uh, that the U.S. would work out a deal with Germany and Europe, uh, but Germany in particular, uh, to get more natural gas in the United States, decrease their dependence on Russian natural gas. And so if that was going to happen anyway, maybe we get some insurance money. Okay. That's the only thing that I could think of. But, right. yes, you're, the, the, you're right. This, uh, this pro-Ukrainian group, I got to yeah. talk about this pro-Ukrainian group. Right. Uh, because it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. And this is in response, of course, to the Seymour Hirsch article, which came out in February. This is a March article by the New York Times. Uh, and it's, it's so <laughs> other than what, so we can infer this. This pro-Ukrainian group, and I'm doing air quotes there, um, we, ha- we can infer that they were exceptionally skilled in technical diving, okay, and the use of high explosives. So we're talking about these five people, five or six people that you mentioned. Two of them are divers, so they have to go down about 250 feet, so they need some technical diving skills to do that. Probably 1,000 pounds of explosives. They're using timers, initiators, blasting caps. Uh, but first, they have to find it, of course. So I don't know if this sounds like a typical pro-Ukrainian paramilitary group, like the New York Times <laughs> says. But they also Wait, have hang on, hang on, hang on. Just on what you're space. explaining, just on what you're explaining, give, right. add the difficulty level to this. So because I, I don't know anything about diving, how many people could do what you just described? Right. So this regular diving people know you can go down a little over 100 feet uh, on regular scuba stuff. If you go past that uh, and stay down too long, you need a mixture, a mixed gas. Um, so not the typical thing that you go when you go to see people diving in the Bahamas or Hawaii or that right. sort of thing. Um, so you, you need some technical diving skills there um, just to get down. And then you add the complexity of the demolition training 
on top of that. So we are narrowing down the amount number of people who can do this. So Russia has that that capability. We have that capability. A pro-Ukrainian paramilitary group, not so sure. But then you add this on top of that. You add that uh, that they had this high-level trade craft. So they chartered a luxury yacht in Germany from Ukrainian owners. And I'll get back to that. Uh, so it's a captain, it's two divers, a couple assistants, and, and a doctor. One, I think it's five men and one woman. Um, they had fake passports, these technical diving skills, navigation skills, boating skills, demolition skills, and they're apparently expert forgers because they have or have access to one because in a day when forged passports aren't really a thing unless you have real passports with aliases created by a government entity. Um, so they have all this trade craft craft, yet they rent their boat from a Ukrainian out of all the people they could. It, so once again, you don't have to be an expert in geopolitics or tactics or have, any, have worked for the CIA to come up with, uh, this might, this isn't adding up. Um, there, there are a couple questions here. So um, it's, uh, I, I think that, that uh, the New York Times story was a response to that Seymour Hirsch article, which was very detailed. It caused, could cause problems for the Biden administration. And in the past, it would be the biggest story in the country oh, right now. Yeah, but it should instead, be the biggest it should be the biggest story in the country right now because we should know one way or another. So before I get back into that, let me just ask you what was the motivation of the person who would create a story like that to put a Ukrainian uh boat on it or a boat owner? What why I mean that sounds like something that Russians right. would do to make it sound like that why why would the right or the uh, uh, the West do that to divert attention from the president of the United States who touts climate change as the uh, greatest threat <laughs> in the history of mankind uh, and divert attention away from that because the base seems to be very focused on climate change and yet we don't seem very interested in even investigating this. I don't even think that the, uh, the president has ordered, or they haven't said anyway, that he has ordered an investigation into this. Um, neither has the UN for some reason. They declined to do an investigation in this, uh, into this. So it's all very interesting, but it, is, uh, it seems to be to, in, to divert attention away from the president of the United States causing the largest man-made environmental catastrophe in history. Okay, so I want to go into the Seymour Hirsch article, and if you can, take, it, take us through it, because I, I don't know what all of it means and how plausible all of this stuff is. Um, and how many people would... How many people would know about this and how do you keep it quiet? We'll we'll get back into that with Jack Carr here in just a second. American Financing NMLS 182334 www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. America's changing from the inside out and it's not a good change. You and I are standing between the America we once knew and the one we're afraid she's becoming. The ground beneath our feet gets shakier every single day, and we're tasked with leading the next generation in a direction that will take us back to where we came from. Part of that, part of being an American is embracing fiscal responsibility, not spending beyond your means, saving money where you can, and of course, paying down your debts whenever and wherever you can. American financing can help you with that. This is a... Uh, a privately owned, this is a family owned mortgage company, and they're in it for you, and they're saving people just like you about $700 a month on average, $695. Plus, if you uh, become a customer of theirs and they can find the right plan for you, you could end up being able to delay at least two mortgage payments and close in as little as 10 days. Call us free, no obligation. American Financing at 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. AmericanFinancing.net. 10 seconds, station ID. 
Welcome to the uh, program. We're with uh, Jack Carr, best-selling author of the Terminal List series, um, and uh, he is he he has a new book that is out now. Only the Dead. It comes out when Jack May. May sixteenth, coming in hot. May sixteenth. So pre-order your copy now. Only the Dead. So Jack, let's go through the Seymour Hirsch article because the average person doesn't know what's reasonable and what's not. So can you go through this? Sure can. So that Seymour Hirsch article came out February 8th. Now it's on Substack, which means that you have to pay for it. So there's a barrier to uh, entry for mm-hmm. citizens getting this information. So um, whereas the New York Times, they can just put it up there. They can take that barrier for entry down and they can counter it a month later, which they did probably at the behest of our intelligence agencies and executive branch. But the Seymour Hirsch article goes into quite a bit of detail. Um, and it highlights how these were destroyed in a covert action by the U.S. military ordered by President Biden. It gives times, dates, places, cities. Uh, now, it does come from an anonymous source that he's protecting. And, and um, only one and, and only one source. Does that matter to you? That uh, it's well, a, yes, you are usually in in, uh, in intelligence circles, you never want to act on, as we found with Iraq. Yeah. You don't want to act, launch a war off singer, single source intel. Okay. Um, and interestingly enough, later on in the war, we couldn't have gone out after a, uh, a Jay Walker, an IED maker uh, with that kind of intel. But okay. that's All right. another point. So same things in journalism, obviously, you want to confirm. Um, but as someone who has had a few touch points in that world, uh, it all seems quite plausible to me. Um, and if you're making this stuff up, uh, that would, that would have been, a, that would be tough to make all this stuff up and, and why, uh, of course, why would Seymour Hersh make all that up? But, um, and there was a time, like I said, when other, uh, investigative journalists would have looked into this, would have taken that article and used their sources instead, dead silence crickets, other than the New York it's times. Pretty article. Amazing. Um, it should be the, the biggest uh, story in the country. Um, but he takes you through the means, the opportunity, and the motive um, for all these countries involved. We, and, of course, the answer to all those questions is that the U.S. had the most to, um, uh, to gain. But uh, the U.S. military, we had multiple ways to destroy the pipeline. Seymour Hirsch goes through these, including undersea drones, military divers skilled in those mixed gas technical diving that we talked about uh, that would allow them to plant explosives um, close to the maximum allowable depths for mixed gas diving. That 250 feet, which is uh, most reports say that these uh, pipelines were destroyed. Uh, And the opportunity here is a NATO military exercise in the Baltic Sea that we've done every summer for the past 21 years. So that's what we would call a cover for action. Um, And then, Mm. of course, that motive for us uh, is uh, for, for Germany and for Europe to side with the U.S. against Russia, which they would be reluctant to do if Russia was supplying them with the majority of their natural gas. Okay, so uh, essentially fuels their economy. So the, the, the Seymour Hersh said that seals, uh, if we use seals, then more people had to be notified, but we could do this off the books without any congressional oversight. If we used uh, divers from the Navy's Diving and Salvage Center, are they co- capable of pulling this off? Are they trained for deep water demolition and trained to evade surveillance, et cetera, et cetera? Oh, yes. I mean, there's not much to evade because of that NATO military exercise, so they're already there. Um, They just need to go down during that exercise, plant these explosives, come back up, 
they're on a timer and they can either be uh, counting down or uh, detonated later with uh, by dropping a um, uh, essentially like a sonar type buoy that gives off a signal that uh, that will destroy the pipelines uh, at a later date if the green light hasn't already been given. So it's uh, it seems quite plausible uh, in in my opinion. But what makes it even more plausible is the response of the administration to it, um, which was essentially nothing until there's a meeting uh, between Germany and the United States. And then this New York Times article that comes out a month later that essentially reads like a response to the Seymour Hersh article that mm. put that pro-Ukrainian paramilitary group uh, out there. And really, for me, I think that is to confuse muddy the waters, let the story die on the vine until the American public gets distracted by the next divisive event or events. Jack, if you have uh, more time, I got a, another break here, and but I'd love to ask you some more questions. Of, first of all, what questions should we be asking about this? But also, they've just moved tactical nukes into Belarus. Um, they just announced it. And they're also putting uh, on ready their ICBM back program more with Jack Carr in a minute fateful day when somebody doesn't come home usually starts out like any other day there's no ominous foreshadowing no scary music track following you around one minute your world is normal and the next minute everything is upside down ever since 9-11 the tunnel to towers foundation has been helping people caught in exactly that position when a veteran or a first responder doesn't come home They help the family by providing them with mortgage-free housing. It's an amazing institution. It just actually touched me personally. Uh, Unbeknownst to Tunnel to Towers, they they, uh, were there when one of my wife's relatives, who was a police officer, was killed in the line of duty. And my wife found out about Tunnel to Towers just a few days later when they said they covered their mortgage and the kids are all safe and fine. It's an amazing organization. Help America's heroes and their families, won't you? Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two T, dot org. Tunnel to Towers. More with Jack Carr and what's going on with uh, Russia, the latest threats, China, and a little bit more on Ukraine. Jack Carr, best-selling author of the Terminal List series. He's also the executive producer for Amazon's uh, record-breaking TV series, The Terminal List. Uh, host of the podcast Danger Close with Jack Carr, where he takes things a little deeper. And his new book that comes out in the middle of May, it is Only the Dead. Um, welcome back to the program, Jack. The, the, um, the pipeline bombing. Um, what questions should we be asking? Because we're sitting around saying, well, I, I don't have any sources like that. Is there any is there any question that can be asked that lead us to more information? Well, it's that that, that one that uh, you ask about anything that like this, where there is just uh, no one knows what happened. It's who benefits and then who benefits the most. And then who has that means, that, uh, that opportunity, and that motive. So much like a law enforcement investigation, you do those things, and they typically point you in the right direction, at least get you 
uh, in front of the right people to start asking questions. And uh, Denmark, Sweden, Germany, they've launched independent investigations into this attack. Uh, and I think they just released one of their findings, or at least Denmark did, uh, maybe yesterday. But I just looked up that Zero Hedge article about the cylindrical ob- object close to the pipeline. Uh, and I think that's the first um, uh, bit of information to come from Denmark's investigation. And once again, it'll be interesting to see if they release anything else uh, as to what this is, if they recover it, which I would think they would. What, <laughs> um, did you see a picture but- of it, Jack? Have you seen uh, the picture? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. What? What? Uh, it's hard to tell exactly what it is because it's covered in uh, what algae and some some growth. But uh, some people speculated that it would be like a an antenna of some sort. Is that what one right. would look so like? Well, I think there's a few different types that it could be, uh, different shapes and sizes. But uh, what it would do if it is in fact an antenna is take that. Um, frequency from some sort of a buoy dropped from above uh, if it's not on a countdown timer um, to detonate the devices so uh, it'll be interesting to see if denmark takes that thing apart and uh, if they release any more information Mm. and uh, i think that if it does uh, lead directly back to the u.s uh, we might not hear so much about this investigation in the future i gotta tell you if our government uh, can do this without oversight from washington uh, I've talked to people who are on the oversight committee and they say oh, they had nothing to do with this. Do you believe that how many people would would have to know about this? That's the part about a conspiracy um, where we see that uh, it is very difficult to keep a secret in Washington, especially amongst politicians. Um, but you add this confusion with the New York Times article and just take it back to the at the John F. Kennedy Association, all these years later, there are still documents that have not been released, even though Congress ordered the release of those documents back in the early 90s. And the dates keep coming and they keep going, uh, which is very strange because if you were trying to make yourself look guilty, if you were an intelligence agency, that's probably what you would do is keep these documents close hold and redacted and not release them to the public. If, um, so you create this confusion, you create this mystery, you create these conspiracy theories, uh, and now it just leads people to the next distraction. It, uh, if Russia did this to us, let's say the oil pipeline up in Alaska, um, we, we would declare an act of war. This is an act yes. of war, is it not? That's my understanding, that this would be considered an act of war legally. Um, hence, another reason uh, to make sure that it was pro-Ukrainian paramilitary force that uh, has some extremely high-level training. So um, when, you, when you look at what's happening in Russia, I mean, I've never seen anything like this, Jack, where, you know, if, if uh, Brezhnev would have, you know— <laughs> landed somewhere in vietnam and went hey we're all in we're sending you arms what do you need we'll help you target and was was open that's not a proxy war we would have said this against the soviet union the the same we're doing things i've never seen before and it just seems to get worse and worse they're moving tactical nukes now uh into uh not Moldova. Uh, yeah, Belarus. 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 Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you? It seems we, we have a hard time finding a war we don't like in Washington. Um, we just finished mm. up. We wrap up 20 years in Afghanistan. 
And lo and behold, what do we what do we find? Oh, we find uh, Ukraine. But as an interesting aside, not many people, I, I don't think many people know this, but uh, Russia gave draft treaties uh, to the U.S. Uh, and our NATO allies, uh, proposing rolling back a NATO presence in states surrounding Russia, which is their traditional buffer zone. Um, and instead of sitting down, reading these, going into talks, uh, the U.S. essentially doesn't entertain even reading these treaties um, and instead mm. really let this this uh, Russian invasion happen. While at the same time, according to Seymour Hersh, there is already this covert military action uh, in the planning stages for the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Because once again, that goes back to the, the Bush administration uh, concerns about that pipeline. Um, so it's uh, and moving nukes into Belarus, you know, I'm, I'm not as concerned. I mean, I'm concerned about the escalation and the talk because we thought those days were behind us. Uh, those of us who grew up in the in the 80s and 90s, we thought that the, the Cold War uh, was maybe had morphed a bit, but at least the nuclear threat uh, had subsided. But uh, when you just saw this, them being in the conversation again um, is concerning. But if Russia needs to retake Ukraine, uh, because essentially it had more rough ethnic Russians in Ukraine than anywhere else, um, and to continue to survive with the population that's in decline, they need those people in, in Ukraine. So using nukes in and around Ukraine doesn't help them with that end state. So uh, I'm not as concerned about them actually using them, but, but the rhetoric then also allows North Korea, China, Iran to study what they can gain from bringing nukes into mm -hmm. negotiations if we ever have them. Um, so on that side of it, uh, that's where my concern lies with uh, what those countries will learn from Russia bringing nukes into the equation. So China looks like it's I mean, it's preparing to take over the world. I mean, it is it is positioning itself now as the peace broker. It's positioning itself as the world's superpower. Um, I'm not sure if we're even a superpower anymore. Are we a superpower? Well, it's, uh, it's certainly disheartening because um, we didn't it didn't have to be this way. Right. And there were numerous warnings over the last 50 years that if we were going to meet our end, it was going to come from within. And that seems to be what we're doing. We're dependent on our enemies, for essentially, for our very survival for everything from uh, microchips to uh, precursor drugs. Uh, opening our borders, political division that only benefits the, the parties in charge, uh, Washington establishment. So us destroying ourselves from the inside, that's, that's how the end will come. And we seem to be on that path. I try to remain hopeful, of course, because I have children. Um, yeah. But it is very hard to remain hopeful when you actually look at this. And um, one of my books, The Devil's Hand, a few years back, I put myself in the enemy's shoes mm -hmm. and uh, put thought, hey, what would I do if I were the enemy? So if I were Russia, if I were China, if I were North Korea, if I were China, if I were a super empowered individual, a terrorist organization, uh, I might not need to do much if I wanted to bring about the end of the United States. I might just sit back and watch. Uh, and just give a little nudge here and there mm -hmm. because uh, we're doing it to ourselves, uh, which is uh, probably the saddest part of all of this. So um, when you look at uh, China, um, many people, I, I'm one of them. It, before an election, if it looks like uh, somebody who is a, more of a hawk and would pull things under control here, uh, it comes into office. 
Uh, I don't know if anybody could, but if I'm China, I take the opportunity now because we're at our weakest and any kind of any kind of real turmoil would just, I think, topple us. They're, they're doing to us what we did to the Soviet Union. Um, do you um, do you, are these things we have to do? For instance, I talked to Nikki Haley and she's like, Glenn, we cannot give up on Ukraine. Otherwise, the Russians and I'm like, you know, uh, I'm sorry, but we're we're playing with two gimp legs. No, no, I, I, I'm not for going into uh, Ukraine. I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm for anything with China either, even if they start it, because I don't think we have the people at the head that I trust to lead an army or a war or even a, a children's second grade costume play, uh, a parade. Sure, and they have proven that over 20 years uh, in Iraq or in Afghanistan, 20 years in Afghanistan. Uh, they had 20 years to prepare for that withdrawal. And what did we get with all that education, all that time in uniform? Well, we got what we saw transpire on TV that no one even talks about anymore, that disastrous withdrawal. And that's why so many people could look at that and just apply some common sense to it, with, which Karl von Clausewitz uh, said was the most important uh, um, attribute of a battlefield leader is having common sense. So that is why people with no military background, no background in geopolitics and strategy could look at that and say, why did we give up this advantageous position in Bagram? And why do we put our troops um, in a tactically less advantageous position at the airfield in Kabul that resulted in the deaths of U.S. service members on the way out and all the chaos that we saw and essentially spending 20 years uh, to take Afghanistan from the Taliban to give it right back to the Taliban. So those are the same people that are still in charge of our military and the same people that will be in charge of any sort of a war effort uh, against Russia or China. So, uh, no, I do not have very much confidence in our senior level leadership. And it seems like most of the country does not uh, either. If you look at what's happening with uh, uh, the recruiting goal. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a it's a serious issue. Uh, And then when you look at what China is doing as far as hypersonic missiles, passive targeting, um, which means they can target things without the person uh, or the element or the platform knowing. Uh, and then you add AI to that, where we still have an edge. Uh, my research lets me, tells me that we still have an edge in quantum computing, um, but maybe not for long if we keep giving too much of this up. So Jeez. when you combine those things, hypersonic missiles, passive targeting, and what quantum is, computing, what, what, the AI part of it. What's passive targeting? So uh, let's go back to, to Top Gun. Remember when they get that lock on the plane yes. back in back in the 80s? Yeah. So you knew you had a lock on you from some sort of a, a weapon. Uh, passive targeting, you don't know that. It's still doing the same thing, oh my but you don't know that. So when you add hypersonic missiles to that, uh, which are very difficult to intercept because they're moving so fast, uh, and the passive targeting where you don't know, it means that there is no alert ahead of time that you are being targeted until that missile hits. Um, so it's an evolving battle space, but it always has been. Um, but our senior level leaders certainly have not given me confidence um, over the past 20 years. Um, zero accountability at those senior level uh, levels. Uh, they go in front of Congress. They say the same thing year after year. We're making progress. We just need a little more money, a little more time. Uh, and essentially, it was all lies, especially if you go back and look at the Afghanistan papers. Uh, Craig Whitlock of The Washington Post wrote a book on it where he juxtaposed what they were saying in private that they thought was going to remain classified and then what they were saying in front of Congress, 180 out from one another in most 
cases. So I have very little confidence mm. in our uh, senior military leadership. Jack Carr, uh, I, you know, I like these uh, scenarios in your book and, and watch them on TV when somebody like Chris Pratt is coming in and they're like, OK, well, <laughs> the good guy's going to come in in the end. I don't like him so much in real life. Um, thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate your your willingness to speak from the heart today. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. Take you bet. care out there. The uh, the name of his new book that comes out in the middle of May, and he's coming back uh, to promote that. He's going to do a, a sit-down podcast with me. Uh, Only the Dead is the name of it. Only the Dead. You can, uh, you can get it now at Amazon or wherever you order your books. Pre-order it now. All right, some good news. You don't need to worry about all these annoying little bank bailouts. Uh, you know, there's there's not going to be any more bank bailouts there. There won't be. I mean, even if there are, they're not going to affect you or the economy. I super duper pinky swear. Yeah. You feel any better? No, I don't feel any better when the Fed says that either. Maybe a little cause to worry. I want your kids to know why banking, energy, housing, food, all messed up. You need to get this free book called The Tuttle Twins and the Messed Up Market. It's crucial information for your family. You can learn from it as well. The book explains how the government messes things up. So your kids will have the tools to know what to look for, how to fight back, and how to come out on top. We need to teach our kids to be self-reliant. It's only free this week. Get your copy of The Tuttle Twins and the Messed Up Market. You just pay for shipping. Tuttle Twins books are excellent. This one's crucial right now, so get it for free this week only. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Tuttle Twins and the Messed Up Market, this week only, free at TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Glenn Beck. This is this is really bad. And I wonder when people are going to pay a price for what happened with covid. You know, the study that came out about raccoon dogs. Well, it looks like that was a What about the raccoon dogs? Why didn't anybody check those? I was swabbing the mouths of the raccoon dogs for a long time. And mm hmm. Why didn't anybody check the raccoon dogs? Oh, I don't know. But you did suddenly? Yeah, and we found naturally occurring in raccoon dogs. Really? After all the Coincidentally. Coincidentally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't believe it when they said it, so I wasn't surprised when uh, I see, oh, it looks like, uh, looks like that, uh, that report uh, was wrong. Yeah, they, they, they left something out unintentional what i didn't mean i what what i did okay like i was supposed to know you know if they actually had the covid virus what what so dr stephen quay he's a microbiologist in seattle he has spent the last two years investigating the origin he said this shows a willingness to be untruthful now, I think that is a wild understatement, but uh, Dr. Quay is going to be joining us here in just a minute and tell us, what, no raccoon dogs? No, no. But they might have come from corn dogs. We're not sure. Uh, 
this study was done by the people that were in with Fauci and saying, no, definitely not a lab leak. Definitely not. Dr. Stephen Quay weighs in on this in a minute. The Glenn Beck Program.